Welcome to another Mother Runner podcast. This is your host, Sarah Bowen Shea in Portland. And joining me, also in Portland, is co-host Molly Williams, my best running friend. Hi, Sarah. It's been a long time since I've seen you. Hours. <laughs> Mere hours. Let's see. I've I've showered and I've gone to the place where we get our t-shirts printed. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What all have you been doing? Uh, since it is Martin Luther King Day, yes. we went out to breakfast. We went to Milo City Cafe. Oh, wow. Look yeah, at you. I know. I had French toast and eggs. It was good. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. All righty then. <laughs> Um, so Molly, you are one of the four new co-hosts joining the show on a rotating basis. You know that, but I'm telling listeners that, uh, Dimity will be now co-hosting the podcast every fourth or fifth week as she's now running our new train like a mother club. All right. So, and if you've read some of my blog posts, follow me on Twitter, you know, Instagram, or been a listener of this podcast for any length of time, I suspect that you, Molly, feel, um, kind of familiar to a lot of people because I talk about you a bunch. And so you've also been on the podcast a few times, such as when you interviewed me when I was laid up with my fractured ankle and when I uh, talked to you about your debut triathlon last summer. But please remind people, Molly, about some of the details in your life, like how many kids you got, you're running, that stuff. Well, I am 48 years old and I started running when I was 41 and that was after knowing you for about a a year, maybe a year and a half. And, uh, you were, I I just didn't understand you at all. And, uh, but there you were every morning with this big smile on your face. And, uh, my cousin's wife said, Oh, let's run a, a half marathon. And I thought, well, I've got a friend that could help me do that. And so that's when I started and now I've completed, three marathons, several halves, and one sprint triathlon. And, you know, had lots of fun, fun miles with you, which has been great. And I have three daughters. My oldest is Lane, who's 20, and she's at Oregon State University, and she's also a runner. Um, Lucy is 17, and Ellie is 15. And Lucy has started running somewhat. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah she goes Leading out, by example you are. Yeah, she goes out maybe one or two days a week. And yeah, she's asking for some clothes and starting to get into it. Oh, it's great. Nice, nice, nice. Um, so all right. And so as I said last week, when, um, when Adrian was the co host, I said that I thought that um, I have the scheme that to help listeners remember who each of you are that um, each time one of you would be on the co hosting, we'd touch on a recurring subject. So for mm-hmm. you, Molly, it was a total layup. Of course, we're going to talk about found change on yeah. the run. And yeah. um, so that um, so that I figure each time you're on, you will tell how much you've found since the last time mm-hmm. you co-hosted, as well as uh, give some standout stories. And who knew that we would have an amazing standout story from our run this morning? It's, it's been a memorable morning, hasn't it? Yes. <laughs> oh. So it's, been, it's a beautiful day. The rain has stopped. We had sunshine. It was a lovely run. Got to go a little later than usual because of the holiday. Yep. And you just right off the bat found a penny, which is always very disappointing to me. And then we go a little bit farther along. Another penny found by Sarah Belanger. Very disappointing. And then a third. And I, I was unexpectedly nice about it wasn't I you were but in such a like we knew you're totally joking <laughs> yeah well but I was trying to <laughs> trying to have a good attitude and I, I anyway so there we are I said I was happy for you and, and then then when we were about a, a little over a, we were about a mile and a quarter from home you said that tell what you said when you were going to sleep the night before right I had this sort of 
vision. Well, you'd started off by saying you want the machine that shows you where all the money is that you the, didn't find. The app. Uh-huh. The app, right. Yeah. And then Phoebe pointed out to you that you would have to know where the money was to have the app to find. Uh-huh. But anyway, so we figured that out. And I said, well, as I, and because we always figure there is money out there. And I said, as I was going to sleep, I had this vision of a gutter and money, paper money rolled up, you know, by a stick and you could barely see it. And how much of this do we pass? It was sort of, that was the idea that it's out there. We just don't see it. And and then also we were talking, I was saying that, um, how bizarre it is that we choose to run down a certain street and what makes us, I mean, to me, it's kind of like an E.M. Forrester novel that there's all these choices that could be made and how they're going to affect your life. Mm -hmm. I obviously put way too much thought into this topic. (laughs) And, uh, but then because the other day we were like, Oh, we got to add on just a tiny bit. And you're like, Oh, let's go down 27th and then turn on not, which we rarely run on not. And there at the corner of 27th and not, was a penny you found a penny which i found (laughs) that's the other thing you're you're better at finding money than i am i think we need to stick a pin in that comment you need to repeat (laughs) it because you have finally said it a couple times (laughs) which is part of why i get a little bit miffed like and see listeners should know sarah has chosen the inside track when we run which is not really fair because that's where the money is so i am left looking across the street at, at, you know, just whatever I can see on the other side. So. See, but I don't think that I chose the inside uh-huh. light. I think there uh-huh. was one time that you were kind of like, it works better when you run on my left side. <laughs> that's not quite the way I do it, but that's okay. That's all right. So anyway, we go, we go around in the corner. We're doing uh, the uh, strides. strides. We have to do eight strides. strides. We're in our sixth stride. We're in the sixth stride. And there I see it out of the corner of my eye. I start making my elliptical turn across the street and I could see you like, no, <laughs> in slow motion. And there it was, a $10 bill with Hamilton on it, of Hamilton, course, which Hamilton. is which is a new thing A-L- we're obsessed E-X-A-N-D-E-R. with. Yeah, I know. Yeah, don't start. Don't start. <laughs> it's, been, it's been in my brain. I had to give my friend uh, the CD. I was like, take this. I can't listen to it anymore. My, my mind is just going crazy with these Hamilton songs. Anyway, but there it was, which is also apropos that it would be a 10 right so and and i did gloat i did gloat yeah oh, oh you and, didn't gloat uh, enough and i i particularly like what i yelled out at you <laughs> like, it, it cannot be played on there what i yelled out let's yeah. just say it rhymes with mother pucker <laughs> yeah 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 and then you wanted to take a picture right there i'm like no 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 we gotta head up the street. keep running keep running <laughs> yeah. just keep running <laughs> who knows who's gonna come out here there you're right yeah but it was and well then because for the first couple seconds after you found it i thought it was a 20 and I was like, no, a 20. And so 10, I feel like maybe I could catch up with you. Yeah, you keep telling yourself yeah, that. That's yeah, yeah. I'm like, because I haven't found paper money since right around Easter of 2014. Oh, yeah. It's a so it's time. been almost two yeah, years yeah. I haven't found paper money. So where are you with the money? With the money thus far this thus year? Thus far this year, yes. Oh, I think I'm only at around 30 cents. Oh, yeah. wow. Well, you have, I think oh. you found more pieces. I did. Yes, yeah, so I am up to ten dollars and fifty-one cents. But then I did find that quarter the other time too, which you also did. helped with the you change. Did. Yeah, we I, did. We did a New Year's Day run downtown around the bar area and stuff like that. I know we have no pride at all, <laughs> but we found a lot of money that we day. Did. We did. And you found a whole uh, pocket a, dump. A pocket dump. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Um, so that was the thing. So that so that we figured. And I also <clears throat> thought though that on holidays it's doing real, really well. You found that hundred dollars mm-hmm. on Easter. Today's MLK Day, and you found a ten, mm-hmm. and um, and then we found some good change on New Year's Day. Yeah. So, um, which doesn't hold quite the same holiday value as you know, e- say Easter or MLK Day, but but so we decided that okay, we're going to go 
out on New Year's Day because hopefully some people were drunk and kind of loosey-goosey with their money. And so we thought, well, we need to go to a part of town where people would be out and about, not mm-hmm. like some neighborhood like we usually run in. So we went downtown. For people who know Portland, we went through Old Town. We were in part of Chinatown. Didn't find all that much money there. And that was when we came back over to the east side where we live that we found more change I mean, are there bars near Toro Bravo? And- oh, yeah. Well, yeah. There's a bar there, and then Russell Street Barbecues across the street, which just got the big parking lot that we went through. But then also just in the storefront um, stoops, you, yeah. that's where you found that. That's where um, I found the Somebody was resting there, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Take, taking a break. <laughs> oh, shame. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I did find that. That was, I found um, a nickel and four pennies from the pocket uh-huh. dump. I think that was our first pocket dump we ever found. Yeah. Yeah. So listeners have to know when we run, like we quote unquote run and we stop and we look for coins and hey, let's go check out that parking lot. I wonder what's over there. Oh, we got to take a picture of this. No. I mean, we do get the miles done. That was before the official marathon training started. It was. And that was also the first time that we really would say, oh, okay, we're going to take a break and go through this parking mm-hmm. lot, through this parking lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, certainly we sometimes will be like, oh, let's go through this 7-Eleven parking lot. Yeah. Um, but usually on like at a running pace. This time it was like, okay, we're yeah. just walking. <laughs> We have no pride. We're doing this. Um, New Year's Day. So yeah, that was so on that day I found twenty six cents and you found twelve or something. You did no, but you found that quarter. Oh, that's true. I did find the quarter. You found a quarter and a dime. You started the year off with a dime. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to say that if people have no interest in hearing about found change, they're finding this conversation Mm -hmm. very boring. But (laughs) but hey, deal with it because we could talk about it all day long. (laughs) But we should probably move on. We should. We should. So today we're going to talk about runners and strength training. And we're going to be joined by Angie Kruger, who's a certified personal trainer who has 15 different certifications, including a four-year degree in kinesiology from Indiana University. This single mother of three has run nearly 20 marathons, and she joins us from Brookfield, Wisconsin, where she is a head trainer at an Orange Theory Fitness. Okay, Molly, it's time to get down to biz and talk strength training. Welcome to the show, Angie. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Hi, Angie. Um, Can you tell us something about yourself, including your running background? Um, well, I am a personal trainer. I'm the head trainer and the regional trainer for Orange Theory Fitness in Brookfield, Wisconsin. Um, I've been doing this for about two years since we've been open, but I've been in the fitness industry for 22 years. Yes, I just dated myself. And I have um, a degree in exercise physiology from Indiana University and my personal training um, certification from the ACSM, American College of Sports Medicine. I am also a um, TRX, I have TRX certifications um, as well, and I am a mother to three children, ages 14, 11, and 9. I've also run 27 marathons, and my goal is one in in every state. Oh, so So, have they been, so and I apologize, uh, because on the website it says you've run 18, so I said that you've run about 20, so 27 is far more than 20, and so are those in 27 different states, or did you duplicate before you started going on that quest? I do not duplicate, no. So I have just added to that, and I clearly need to update my website then. (laughs) So wait, so you, like when you started running, you were like, from the get-go, you thought, I'm going to run in all a marathon in all 50 states? Well, it kind of started that way. I was a freshman in college, and I ran my first um, marathon for the Leukemia Society, raising money um, for these beautiful little children, you know, these children suffering from leukemia. 
hoping to find a cure for them. And it's $5,200 and ran my first marathon in Honolulu, Hawaii. Mm. So from then, it's kind of just been a quest to keep going and adding more. And my latest one was completely untrained to prove a point that you could run a marathon, even if you didn't train for it, but you had the mental toughness for it, which wasn't smart. And I don't recommend doing that, but it could be done. Wow. So, but when you say untrained, I mean, what are we talking? Like what type of miles were you running? Um, nothing more than seven miles, but I was running seven miles a day because my goal for 2015 was to run 2015 miles by myself. And I did it. So it averaged to about five and a half miles a day, and I had just finished on December 29th. Wow. Wow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not such a good idea, though, huh? <laughs> not a good idea to run a marathon not doing long runs, correct. <laughs> so how, how was your time different? How did your body feel differently? Um, it was a three-hour, 14-minute marathon. Wow. And I, came in second, and I came in second place overall for females. <laughs> And it was, but it was a trail run and also a, oh my you gosh. Know, like a combination of a combination of a road and a trail run. You were carrying a 50 pound so, backpack. And... <laughs> yeah. You were carrying the first place woman on your back and you threw her across the finish line before yourself. I mean, yeah, she had to stop and cure leukemia before she got well, to the end. There's... <laughs> Good job. There's a really cool, there's, thank you. There's a really cool race in Brookfield or in Waukesha, Wisconsin called Trailbreaker Marathon. So the first nine miles is like a flat paved road. The middle four miles is trail running, climbing to the top of what we have here called Lapham Peak. And it's a 10-story fire firehouse or like a fire tower mm-hmm. where it's an observation point at the top. And you ring a bell, that's your halfway point, and then you come back and go across the same terrain you came on. So it was 18 miles of road and about 8.2 miles of trails. So it was pretty difficult. And about four miles from the finish line, I just kept repeating how stupid that I was for doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, good for you. That shows true grit. It does show true grit. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Then did you go out and run the next day to get your seven miles in? No, I didn't. I was like, okay, well, seven times two or seven times four is 28. So I just need to do 1.8 miles over the next couple of days. Uh (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's good. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so we're we're not going to give advice about how not to train for a marathon in this podcast. So but let's start with a really basic question, which is why should a runner mix strength training into her routine? Oh, gosh, there's so many reasons. And uh, the first, foremost, and most important reason would be to work on those postural muscles that allow you to hold yourself upright during running. Without any strength training, you end up relying on your quads and having such a forward lean that it really puts pressure on the on those quads, your back, your glutes, your hamstrings, and you really need all of those muscles from strength training to be able to hold yourself up tall and proud so that you can rely on your hamstrings and your quads equally instead of just quad dominant. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that's why beginner runners get injured so often is that they just don't have the all over strength or do you think it's just being new to a sport that gets people run injured? Um, it could be one of a few different reasons. I would say first are people going from like a couch to a, you know, a training for a marathon and jumping right into a program without increasing those mileages every week, about 10%, or there's some people that are getting right into a training program, jumping 20% more miles, you know, more miles per week. 
Um, another reason could potentially be, yeah, the muscle imbalance. You know, a lot of runners get shin splints because their shin muscles aren't as um, strong as their quad muscles. Same with lower back injuries, abs stronger than lower back. You really need to work all of those muscles proportionately. If you don't, that's why you'll find a lot of women that end up punching forward because they never end up doing, they're only doing chest work such as push-ups, but not ever doing back work. You know, working those, the lats, the rhomboids, the traps, everything that helps keep muscles in balance. Mm -hmm. I like that better than push-ups anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, beginner runners, uh, I think like getting out the door three days a week and running is like kind of overwhelming in itself. Do you, do you think like they're okay just starting with running and then building up to other stuff if they don't overdo it? Or do you think it's better if they do some type of planks or, you know, strength training along with it? For sure. I mean, if you can get in your three miles, if that's what you're set on is three miles, then however you get it in, if you feel like you need to walk to take a break, do whatever you need to do to feel successful. This isn't a competition with anybody other than yourself. So even though you may want to get those three miles in all in a row and just feel so good, sometimes your body just needs to walk a little bit or, you know, take a moment. You know, I've also had people do half mile and then try 10 push-ups, 10 sit-ups, you know, different exercises, and then repeat that adding up to three miles if that's what you need to do. It doesn't all have to be at one time and different people work well by different things. Some people might seem really overwhelmed by three miles, Mm -hmm. whereas to somebody else like, you know, us three, you know, Sarah, Molly, myself, three miles is like, okay, you know, that's easy. But, you know, you need to do what you need to do to feel successful. However, you need to break it up in your mind to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So is, is there an optimum prescription for strength training for runners? Like how many times a week for how long? Is it okay to do it on the same day you do a run? I would probably avoid doing any kind of strength training on a day that you are doing a long run, so to speak, if you're a marathon runner or training for a 10K. Any longer day, just focus that day on the run. But if you can, um, maybe the day after, but I would avoid the day before, only because you're trying to get your legs a little bit more rested before that long run. So it's just up to you to see how you feel, you know, make it an easier day. And I would definitely recommend three times a week if you can, even if it's something as, you know, like, you know, 10 to 20 push-ups, cause that's 10 to 20 push-ups more than you were doing before. So make it in a number that doesn't seem overwhelming. Mm-hmm. I hate push-ups. Oh, I think I already said that. <laughs> but no, seriously, I, I go to, I mean, I only do them on my knees, but I go to the push-ups and I can't, I can only go about halfway and I feel like my shoulders are going to give out or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that a more of an arm thing, Angie, or a core thing? Or what do you think? It could be either. And it depends on if I could see you where the position of your hands are. Mm -hmm. You know, if your hands are up higher than your shoulders, then you're relying on your quads a lot more than you're relying on your chest. So when you do it, set yourself up so that your hands or, you know, just outside of your shoulders on the side of your chest. Then from there, then you can push up. And I don't want to hear you say, I just do my push-ups from my knees. It is, I do my push-ups from my knees. There you go. Amen, Angie. Right? Right? It's not a just. You're still lapping the people on the couch. (laughs) And you need to be proud of where you are on your fitness journey. Yeah, and I don't want to hurt my shoulders. I've done that before, and I feel like it was push-ups or maybe even crunches that hurt my shoulders because I think I 
maybe hurt my neck with crunches. And I also hate crunches. I really don't really like exercising that much. I only do it to find money and talk to Sarah. I just got hoodwinked into this whole thing. And now here I am. So I hate crunches as well. Uh, is there a way to get around ab training without crunches? Or should I just suck it up and do it? Again, it's all a form thing. So when you're doing crunches, are you staring straight up at the ceiling or are you tucking your chin into your chest to help protect your neck? When you're crunching, your gaze should be focused through your legs, not straight up at the ceiling. When you're straight up at the ceiling, you're going to strain your neck because of the long leverage. So next time, try tucking your chin into your chest. And when your feet are flat on the ground with your knees bent, when you're crunching up, make sure that you're looking right through your legs. And another thing you want to do is make sure your fingertips are by your temples, or if you need to, make a basket with your fingers and let your um, head cradle in your hands. Another thing you want to be sure is making sure you're not pulling on your head. Mm -hmm. So you should never be able to see your elbows off the side of your body in a crunch. If it is, then you're pulling on your head, which could also hurt your neck. Yeah, Molly and I sometimes, so Molly and I go to bar class um, once or twice a week. And I mean, we, thanks. Yeah, we're always the ones who are griping about like that our heads are like watermelons and they just feel like they weigh like a hundred pounds and our necks are just killing us. And sometimes it's not just on crunches, it's on some of the other moves. Mm -hmm. And it's sometimes, oftentimes to the point of where that's all I can think about is my head weighs so much and my neck is killing me. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if we're out of position somehow, like the abs are down to the floor, like, you know, your back's not down to the floor. I don't know what it is either. I, I feel like there is something structurally wrong with the way I do crunches that is getting my neck in the wrong position. Mm-hmm. I would think that your head and neck would be in the wrong position. So also with like planks, when your elbows are under your shoulders, you should be looking at your hands, uh-huh. not looking forward. And if you're straining your neck by looking forward to see what everybody else around you is doing, that could be another really bad neck strain that would take you out of alignment. So make sure that when you're doing planks, just let your head hang down. That's okay. Okay. And make sure you're looking at your thumbs. You don't want to try and look up and you definitely shouldn't want to talk to each other. Oh, okay. okay. We do make that mistake. Um, And then how? Again, (laughs) takes your, takes your head out of alignment and then takes your, makes you focus on not where your body is positioned. And especially in bar, you really need to be able to focus on all those muscles, like pulling your your belly button away from your waistband, keeping your shoulder blades slightly pinched and really focus on squeezing those thighs together, finding your anchor points for those. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. it's harder that way. (laughs) No, that's really, that's really good advice. And our bar teacher is always saying the same thing. And I really do try to concentrate on that good position. Um, And I do feel like my ab strength has, has gotten better, but we keep I eating the, ice cream, so we can't see yeah, anything on top true. of it. Yeah, I also, I also <laughs> feel like I'm the loser in the class, but that's okay. I mean, you know, again, I bet it's better than being on the couch, so. Um, all right, so 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 last week we promoted this podcast and topic on our website, and we were just amazed by the varied strength workouts that mother runners are doing. Oh my goodness, yes. Yeah, including some super challenging ones. And so that we um, brought you on in part, Angie, to talk about the variety of different options and then kind of how they stack up um, for runners and things like that. So so we'll start with the one that Molly and I already mentioned. So bar class, you, you think that's rigorous enough for runners? I do. I just think I really feel like, and this is not going to be um, bashing on any anything of what people do um, for what classes they go to. Bar is fantastic. You know, anything more than strength of what people are doing, like 
bar is better than nothing. You know, any kind of strength training is better than nothing. Anything you feel successful at or you like is definitely a great way to supplement that strength training into your routine. If there's somebody that doesn't like yoga, I'm never going to send them to a yoga class for their strength training. We're going to find what works best for them and you. So you need to look at what works best for you and what you like to do. Mm-hmm. So that, that there you sort of touch on, we were actually going to get to that. If um, one woman um, told us how that she does yoga twice a week and her muscles are shaking afterwards. So, so yoga can count as strength training? Yoga count can count as strength training, but I'd also recommend if it's just a yoga class, maybe to add some push-ups or some sit-ups or some plank work or even dumbbells. You know, it's really important for women as we lose about 2% of our strength in our, you know, every year. So it's really important for us to be able to keep that strength, you know, by supplementing with some kind of strength routine. And if yoga, if she's actually doing um dumbbell work or plank work or other things in yoga, then absolutely. That's totally counts as strength training. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about various toys that you can add to strength workouts like kettlebells, sandbags, and medicine balls. Which ones do you recommend and like Angie? You know what? I like them all. I think a great variety is, is what's going to keep you from getting bored. Changing it up every day is what's going to change your body. If you do the same thing every day, you can't expect a different result. So I just think that's insanity to, to do that. So I like all of them. And it, you know, at Orange Theory Fitness, we have so many different tools in our bag. We use medicine balls. We use BOSU balls. We use benches, dumbbells, TRX straps, um, ab dollies. We keep it different and mix it up every single day. Hmm, that's good. Because as uh, somebody that's not used to doing a lot of strength training, just going into the gym and picking a routine is hard enough. If I had to vary it on my own, it just, you know, it, it's just overwhelming. So that's nice. I think uh, class is probably a, a good option for a lot of people where it's just varied for you. You know what? We are women. And in, as we are women, we tend to get lost in doing things. How many times have you been in a class or on your own at the gym and you start making a grocery list in your head mm-hmm. or you start thinking about where your kids have to be that afternoon? I think finding a group class is the best way to do it because you're surrounded by your peers. You're able to have fun in a group. And you're able to challenge yourself by um, challenging yourself by working with the people around you and seeing what they're doing and, you know, maybe challenging yourself to a heavier weight next time or one more rep or something completely different, you know, just by doing that. You're never going to leave a group fitness class, but you could always get off the treadmill or off the weight room floor and go do other things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You also have somebody watching your form to make sure you're not going to hurt yourself, presumably. Absolutely. And that's one of the biggest keys is on your own. If you don't have the knowledge to do that, it's really important to not get hurt. And if you don't have the knowledge of that, then it becomes very scary because then you could potentially be injured for a long time or for your running season. Mm -hmm. So I'd really, really recommend, even if somebody could find, if they couldn't find a group fitness class, if they could find a personal trainer to be able to give them the knowledge and empower them. I'm not going to sit there and just tell you what to do. I'm going to explain why we're doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's what a good personal trainer will do. And well, oh, I just going to say women that have had children, their ligaments are lax, right? So they do have to be more careful about overdoing it or getting in the wrong positions. Absolutely. And same with women who have children that have had C-sections, you know, with those scars and how your muscles have healed, it's important to teach you how to find those 
muscles again, those really deep muscles in your belly. Mm-hmm. Oh, I find that so true. And in, in bar, our instructor mm-hmm. will come around, she'll like touch, you know, where my scars, she's like, come on, Sarah, be using that, be using it. And I mean, up until a few years ago, it, you might as well have just been like touching somebody else because they just, there was like no feeling there. And just, I would think, okay, contract, contract. And it'd be like, mm, no, we're, we're not working right now there, Sarah. <laughs> right. And if you can teach women to find their, you know, what we say, the cough muscle, the multifidus, you know, you can put your fingers, two fingers under your belly button and cough a couple of times and feel those muscles being engaged. Mm. And when you can do that and you can find them, it makes a whole world of difference to your abs so that you're contracting those cough muscles the entire time you're holding plank or you're doing TRX work or you're finding your way on the floor in these different exercises. I'll sometimes say that in the hallway, you know, before we start class, everybody find your cough muscle. Once you find it, I'm going to keep repeating this throughout the day to keep finding that cough muscle. And it makes core work back in the core instead of being in your lower back where you, where it hurts a lot of women holding plank, especially those that have children and you have a hard time finding those muscles again. Oh, I am now going to think about that the next time we are in class because Mm -hmm. our instructor always talks about, you know, kind of tucking your, um, you know, your pelvic girdle, you know, and sort of as if your like belly button is trying to look up at your shoulders or something. And so, but I like having another, um, thought to those cough muscles. Cough I can muscles, really relate yes, to I that. Can... Oh yeah, yeah. There they are. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. We're, we're very visual and women are just visual people and they need, like, if I say that to half my classes, they've already tuned me out. And like I said, they're making their grocery list, but if I can make it in a feeling cue that you can visualize, engage your cough muscle, mm-hmm. cough twice, feel it. When I say it, I want you guys to engage it. Mm-hmm. Keep it engaged the whole time. The biggest mistake people make in sit-ups too is when they're, or crunches, when they're crunching up off the ground, they're getting their shoulder blades off the ground. But when they let themselves go back down, the number one thing that happens is their backs arch. Mm. And when your back arches off the ground, you're no longer engaging those cough muscles. Mm. You really need to keep those muscles engaged the whole time. When truly doing a plank and you're engaging that cough muscle and engaging everything I've told you to do, you shouldn't be able to hold a plank longer than three minutes. It's super challenging, super difficult to be able to squeeze all those muscles together and have them work properly. So if somebody is telling you they've done a 20 minute plank, they're not really engaging those core muscles. They're using their shoulders and trying to cheat a little bit. And I might've just defended half of your listening population oh, no. just now. Oh no. Cause um, when you said three minutes, Molly and I looked at each other like, what the what? Like <laughs> we're like one minute. Woo, woo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. My older yeah. daughter was training my middle daughter and she's like, come on, Lucy, three minutes is almost up. I'm like, you're making like just off the couch, making her do a three minute plank. I mean, she was 17. She did it. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, of course they did because they're young yeah, and cute yeah. and so strong. <laughs> right, right. Oh my God. So, so Angie, you talked about TRX, the, and those are those. If you could kind of describe, I I described them as those straps that can be attached to a door jam. So, could you talk about the benefits of those and and why those might be an option for somebody listening? Yeah. Originally, TRX was developed. Um, by two gentlemen that were Navy SEALs, and they needed to find a way to keep up their strength. So they took the parachute webbing off of their parachutes and developed this TRX kind of suspension training um, to be able to stay fit until they were able to be taken out of um, their training zone where they were kind of stuck. So it's really cool. It's Randy Hedrick, and they're amazing tools. And 
instead of using TRX to build muscle, you're trying to use TRX to find the smaller muscles that usually get neglected. So there's suspension exercises that you can either put your hands on to find an angle, or you can put your feet in to work core, core muscles or hamstring work. It's perfect for those who are trying to just find those smaller muscles. And once you figure out how to work it, it's an amazing tool to have in your belt. Yeah, great. So you are an Orange Theory fitness instructor, as you already said. Dimity loves Orange Theory fitness. And one has just opened up near us, and I'm, I'm keen on giving it a try. Um, what do you think are the benefits of Orange Theory, and how is it different than other workouts? Okay, I will start with the benefits of um, Orange Theory Fitness. It's one for women and runners. It's forced speed work. Ooh. So we have, we are not, right? But, it's, but Sarah and Molly, you guys then have forced speed work together. You know, you're able to work out with your friends and you're able to really push those paces. So we have what's called base pace, which is challenging yet doable. And you could be there 25 to 35 minutes if you had to. So if you could run a 10 minute pace, you know, comfortably, then that would be about six miles per hour. Your push pace will never be longer than three minutes. And that's about one to two miles per hour over your base pace. And then your all out pace will never be longer than one minute. And it's about two miles per hour faster over your base. So we work half the time on the treadmills and the other half on the rowers and the floor component. So we do have water rowers here, which is the one of the best ways to do total body conditioning. It's a leg-driven movement, even though rowing suggests otherwise. It's 60% legs, 20% core, and 20% upper body. And when you do water rowing right, it drives your heart rate. It drives it really high. Mm. And is um, that strength training floor, too, rowing? Um, rowing is strength training, but you'll find that you use a lot of cardio for that as well because it's a leg-driven movement. Mm. So you're going to find that your heart rate jumps very quickly. Um, and the water goes in the rowers as the resistance. So you're constantly working against resistance. And what I like about those, as opposed to the old concept two chain rowers, is there isn't going to be a jerk from when that chain stops, you know, and it's not going to jerk your shoulders. I really like the water rower. And then you have the floor component as well, which is, again, forced strength training, especially for women who don't do it. You know, we always love our strength training when we can do it with friends. Well, that sounds great. I, I would like to give that a try. I like our bar class, but I, I like to mix it up with do something else. Well, Angie, that, that sounds great. And I am really interested to give it a try. Um, I really like our bar class and I think I get a lot out of it, but we don't do very much with weights. We do some arm stuff with weights, um, which I still haven't graduated from the one pound weights. So there's that. But uh, it seems to me like runners really could benefit from from using weights uh, to build strength in their muscles and their core. Um, what do you think about that? I really do like using weights, but again, it's up to each person individually. Um, even if you could supplement Orange Theory one time a week with your repertoire, maybe bar one time and um, Orange Theory Fitness one day a week, it would be the best benefit to you. And obviously... You can't force somebody to do strength work that doesn't like doing dumbbells, but you can always just hope that they start to like it if they incorporate it more and more into it. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't like any of it, but I make myself <laughs> do it. And then, you know, sometimes it gets better. So, and then, it, it, you know, because one of the reasons I do bar is that I got, uh, I got a knee thing and I went to physical therapist and she says, well, you've got bad 
glutes and uh, hips, I guess. And so I needed to yeah. build that. And Barr has helped me keep all the rest of it in condition so I can do what I want to do. And I would be willing to do that with, with weights and other stuff, especially if I was going to reap some speed benefits or posture benefits, or maybe someday be able to see my abs or, <laughs> I know that's the kitchen, right? Right. Yeah. You know, not to like, this might not be for everybody, but once I started Orange Theory Fitness, I was able to drop 15 minutes off my marathon time. Woo, woo. I finished Columbus, I, I finished Columbus marathon in 2010, 2011 with a um, three minute or three hour, one minute marathon. Huh. And just by adding, just by adding speed work and strength training, it was amazing. Wow. My slowest marathon was a 326. And then my fastest was that 301 that I got. Oh my gosh. And we still like so, you though, Angie, even though like, <laughs> you know, you're already showered and have eaten brunch by the time we finish our marathons. Yeah. You seem wonderful. We never want to talk to you again. <laughs> no. Um, so, and, and how about CrossFit? I mean, um, super popular, I know, but personally, I just feel it'd be way too challenging and intimidating for me. And I, I'm also convinced that make me do one too many box jumps and suddenly I'm eating that box for lunch. Like I am just falling and having <laughs> a very bad accident on it. You know, CrossFit is for some people. It's not for some people. Um, there are great benefits, like I said, with all strength training. And I don't want to get a phone calls tonight from 100 CrossFit owners that are like, she bashed us. That's not what this is about. I think it's more about safety. And you do so many Olympic type lifts with that, that I don't, I personally don't have the shoulder flexibility for a lot of those Olympic lifts. Hmm. So they don't work for my body. And then I put myself in unsafe ranges of motion because I'm always trying to compete. Like I could lift the weight, but probably not safely. So CrossFit isn't for me. If somebody else finds that they like it again, personal preference, you go there and you do what you enjoy doing. I like competition. And I think had I had shoulder flexibility, that was much better than what I currently have. Maybe I'd like it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting you say that because, um, so I've been taking bar for about two years. And before that, I took a group strength training class. It was kind of, you know, boot, boot camp style. And I just found that too many of the exercises, I wasn't able to do them very well. And so then I felt if I'm only doing them for 60 seconds and I'm kind of doinking around for 40 of those seconds, then like, I'm really not getting all that great of a workout out of it. And that, I just feel yeah. that, that you sort of do need to find the, the exercise that's right for your body. Like I just have, I have very little flexibility. I don't have great balance. Like, and I realize I should be working on all those things, but to, in terms of saying like, okay, this is going to be my strength workout. And to just feel like I was, I don't know, not doing the prescribed exercise in that little corner of the gym for so many different times. I just wasn't yeah. getting much out of it. I really feel like you need to try Orange Theory Fitness because here we really offer, the trainer will give you the exercise, but they're also going to give a challenge for maybe the athlete or somebody who wants just a little bit more, but they're also going to give an option for somebody like you who say that you have less flexibility or less strength or whatever. We always offer options and challenges. So it's a way to feel successful in an exercise, regardless of whether you're taking the option of the challenge. We don't say modification in here. That M word is a naughty word. So we don't say it in here. It's options. So if a good trainer or a good instructor is able to give options and challenges, then you found a good instructor because that's what it's all about is making you feel successful where you are on your fitness journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think working with an instructor is is so key until you really get down some basic moves and know where your body is. 
Um, I think that's really good advice. Uh, so several women on the blog mentioned that they do pie workouts, and I'm assuming that's not eat pie and then yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> if it is, sign me up. <laughs> so what is a pie workout? And are we even saying Pio it right? Is a combi- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? You are saying it right. Okay. Pio is a combination of Pilates and yoga. Oh, now that, it, right uh, before you said that, I thought, oh, I get it. It's Pilates and yoga. Up until then, I'm it's like, sounding yeah. less appealing. But I, go thought, ahead. I thought it was like from Japanese anime or something. I had just no clue. <laughs> yeah. Another, another friend that I have makes a joke every time. She's like, oh, you want to go to Pilates? I thought we were eating pie and drinking lattes. <laughs> Oh my god! So, the, so there are specific workouts that are a combination of the two of them. Um, yeah, and and it changes every single day. So Pilates and yoga, you know, is just combines that Pilates and yoga, same Pilates moves, but still strengthening the core. In Pilates, it's all about the core and perfect form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tried Pilates, and I just could never. I never felt like I was getting the form right. And my flexibility is so bad. Um, I thought that was another challenge as well. I've got very, very frustrated with Pilates. So, I don't know. If yes, I have tight, I have tight hips and glutes as well, and I always feel like the odd one out whenever I'm trying to do moves like that. Especially when we get to the hip stuff, and everybody's all like folded beautifully oh, yeah. and leaning forward, and I'm like barely like you know crisscross applesauce or what used to be called Indian <laughs> oh. style. I can barely do that, and my tongue's hanging out of my mouth, and I'm not graceful at all. So. <laughs> Yeah, I get it. Tell Come me about it. Come sit next to us, Angie, because yeah. now it sounds like you'd fit right in with us. Yeah, last bar <laughs> class, she had us uh, just cross our legs and bend forward, and our instructor looked at Sarah and I was like, what is it with you guys? <laughs> Do you ever stretch? <laughs> my my Pilates and yoga instructor points at me, like the first day, points at like four of us and said, runner, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. and was was right, because we are the worst about flexibility training. We will we would sacrifice any kind of flexibility training to get an extra mile in. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's we should just, be going to Paya, right? I mean, maybe that's what we should <laughs> right. be doing. Yeah. Uh, maybe we need remedial, remedial Paya. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Does, does a massage work? Can we just call it good with a massage? Say we stretched? <laughs> <laughs> You can always have a massage, but no, that doesn't count. Oh, oh, dang, dang. Okay, so and the last type of strength training we're going to ask you about um, will sound like we've traveled back in time to the 1990s, which is body pump. And um, I used to write. Oh, um, no, you don't. Yeah, I I used to write about um, fitness workouts for like self and shape and women's health and all those magazines. And so I have been to my fair share of body pump classes you know, literally two decades ago. And so I was surprised by how many mother runners are still taking body pump classes. So, you know, lay it out for us. You know, is it worthwhile? I'm totally, I'm going to lay it out for you because I am also a body pump instructor. Oh, look at you. So, right. In your spare time. So I have been, well, I, I actually had to back off a body pump since I had started at Orange Theory, but I love it. I like the music. I like the moves. I like that it actually is teaching women how to lift weights properly. Mm. I I really like it. I enjoy it. It gets every single body part. You hit up um, in the second track, you hit up legs with squats. In the third track, it's always chest, fourth, back, fifth, triceps, sixth. You work in order of the muscles bigger to smaller. If you switch the order around, your triceps would be too sore to do any kind of chest work later. Mm. So it's scientifically put in that order for a reason. And a good instructor, you know, after those four weeks of like that, you know, the new launch release, you get to 
mix in what you want. And now that we are over in the 90s, you can choose from 90 different songs for each separate track. So I really enjoy Body Pump. Wow. But gosh, I had no idea it was so closely choreographed with the you saying that there's Very 90 closely. different. So that you're saying yes. for, okay, when you're going to be having them do quads or whatever, these are the 90 songs that you can choose from. Yes. Yeah. You can always go back in the old releases mm -hmm. and bring that back in your own playlist. And that's what we would always do, you know, at any of the different, different gyms that I taught at, you know, and body pump, it really is fantastic. And we, we have a following, like it's not just nineties, you know, maybe it started back then in the late seventies, early eighties. And it started with, gosh, I'm, I might be wrong on this, but I think it started with body flow, mm. which now used to be called body balance in other countries mm. because it's that Tai Chi yoga and Pilates mm. together. And then they branched ones off of that. So body attack, body combat. I was actually one of the first to get trained in CX works, which is the, the core one, the 30 minute core. Oh. So I really enjoy it. And, you know, I went through my aim one instructor and I really think that that's a great one for women. See, I just found that it also was so much swapping out of, you know, putting the different plates on the barbells. And I just thought that ate up so much time. And then, then to be doing like 40, 50, 60 reps, it seems like of something. I just thought, oh, is this really, is there any bang for my buck here? Yeah. You're changing the muscles, how you work. It's not necessarily just about doing a bicep curl. It's about working the top half, the bottom half, all the way up. It's changing the speed and the tempo of it. So that's where you change your muscles is when you change um, your body by adding those weights and taking the plates off. And we actually always had one minute built in to change out your weights. Oh. And if you listen to your instructor, you'd find that you weren't um, going too heavy or too light, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah, it burns. It burns, and that's where the change happens is, you know, feeling those muscles burn. That's where your change is going to happen, and you're going to see definition. You know, we're, you can't truly lift, lift unless you're fueling your body to try to change your muscles. So you're not going to be a bodybuilder, so to speak, unless you are training towards that bodybuilder every single day. So I think a lot of women avoid strength training, too, because they think they're going to bulk up and look like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm -hmm. That's just not the case. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have enough testosterone in our bodies to do that. Yeah, you could, but then we'd have to change your diet as well. And then we'd have to really change your weights. And Body Pump isn't going to do that. Orange Theory Fitness isn't going to do that. So, you know, just find what works for you in, in the strength training aspect mm -hmm. and do it. Yeah. And how many days a week do you, you have to do it, Angie? I mean, can you get by with one day a week or two days a week? Or does it have to be three to show progress and benefit? The more benefit and progress will probably happen from two to three days a week. And it's just committing to do that. You know, mm -hmm. most women will get their run in, but then they avoid the strength training. Oh, yeah. So you really have to make time for it, which is what Orange Theory is for a lot of people. Their first class is always free. And then you can sign up for, you know, different membership options that we have. Mm -hmm. And signing up and committing to a class will ensure that you're going to come and take that spot. It's going to ensure that you're not going to cancel. You know, it's the accountability of you coming with a friend or you having an upset appointment. You have to think about your appointments with your strength tra training as a meeting with your boss. And you're your boss and you shouldn't cancel on you. Mm -hmm. oh, that's good. If I pay the money, I always go. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we uh, with our bar class, there's a. I guess you can cancel up to an hour beforehand, but I would never wake up at you know four thirty in the morning and no. cancel. So I'm like, well, I gotta go because I signed up for it, and I'm not gonna lose out on that money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we actually have a twelve hour cancellation policy, mm-hmm. so you can't cancel within the twelve hour window because if that were the case, we'd have people cancel all the time. Right, right. Yeah. And ours is ours is a reservation based class, mm-hmm. so you have up to twenty four people in a class with you. And if I have people on a wait list, you know, you're doing a disservice to yourself for not showing up, but to maybe that person who was on the wait list that didn't get into class because you had committed to coming. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, right. It's, and you know, you just have to make that commitment to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that's the note we're going to end on is that make that commitment to yourself and um, just find what works for you and go out there and, and do it two, three times a week. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much for joining us, Angie. Yeah, you were great, Angie. Yeah, really great. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Have a wonderful day. Okay. You too. Bye. Bye. Wow, she knew about it all. I mean, she, she's done. She's trained everything, does everything. Yeah, it's amazing. And she was a wealth of information. That was very interesting. I know, I know. So I don't know, but so you and I have been when we were starting our marathon training. You were like, "Hey, you know, I think we should not do bar twice a week," and mm-hmm. so we offered that up to um, Bree, our trainer, or my my coach. And so yeah, so now we're only doing bar once a week and doing other types of strength training once a week. Yeah, we did a whole bunch of planks the other day. We did. Yeah. <laughs> we did. And they looked pretty good. I think so too. Yeah. yeah. And the, we had to do a one minute plank three times. By the third time, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> but we got through it. We did yeah. get through it. We mm-hmm. And we're here to tell the tale. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and are you going to try Orange, Orange Theory Fitness with me? Um, maybe. Because Lainey and I are going to go. Oh, you are? Oh, yeah. We definitely want to go try it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we, so we ran by it the other day and you got kind of excited when we, yeah. when we spotted because it. Yeah. Because I didn't know where it was. I, I know, knew it was in town. Tucked, it's tucked and, away yeah. here in Northeast Portland. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Because I knew before it was kind of out in the suburbs and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to drive to it. Um, so, but I mean, we could, we could even run to it from where it is. We could. Yeah. For, for people in Portland, it's, it's kind of on the backside of the Lloyd Center. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, well, um, let's head from there then over to the challenge corner, which uh, Dimity is going to um, tell us what's going on in the Train Like a Mother Club challenge. Hey, this is Dimity in Denver, and I'm coming in with our challenge corner of the week. The comment comes from Sharon, who is in the 13.1 race challenge. She says, I did my first hill repeat ever today. I live in a very flat place, so I drove to a quote unquote hill that was really a large overpass. It was quite the opposite of scenic because it's in an an industrial part of town. Lots of big trucks and school buses. I ran up one side and down the other, turned around and did it again. It was a very symmetrical run. And then at the moment my watch beeped five miles, there was a heads up penny at my toes. So not only did she try something new, but she made some money on her run. So congratulations, Sarah, on those hill repeats. Those always pay off in the long run. And our song comes from the Stride Challenge, uh, a mother runner named Maureen, who wrote in earlier this week. She said, 50 minutes on the elliptical this morning, and most likely 3.5 hours of nonstop dancing at the Bruce Springsteen concert later tonight. Bruce! 
Uh, so she was headed to the Bruce Springsteen concert and got her cross training done in the morning. Later, checked in on the Facebook stride page and said that she took 11,000 steps at the Bruce Springsteen concert. Best workout ever, she said. I would agree. I'm a huge Bruce Springsteen fan. So our song for the week is called We Take Care of Our Own. It's a, a lesser known Bruce song, but I love the message that we take care of our own, which is what we do in this challenge. So have a great week and I'll see you next week. Alright, and you've heard this message a few times already, but the Train Like a Mother Club is just that awesome. So, gotta tell you about it again, in case you haven't joined, because the last day to sign up is January 24th, and I tell you, you want in on this action. And so the Train Like a Mother Club, it is home for exercise plans, including 10K, half marathon, and marathon plans, with 5K plans kicking off next month. All the plans give you access to trainlikeamother.club, which is flush with resources, including strength training workouts, including videos, uh, recipes, a private Facebook page for each of the distances. So like if you're in the 10K plan, that Facebook page has all your 10K buds from around the globe, honestly, on there. And so you can just ask any, any question, no questions, too basic, too much information or you know, too much oversharing because it's, it's a really supportive place. And then also Strava club and there's a map of mother runners across the globe. So you might be able to find, um, a best running friend, just like I got. Um, and then also a seriously stocked swag bag, which will be shipped right to your front door. You can also add on a commemorative t-shirt and or medal. The prices of these plans are amazing. 50 cents a day, making the 10 K and half marathon training plans, $52.50 and the marathon plan just $63. Train Like a Mother Club members also get great discounts to some key races. And like I said, registration is open through January 24th. So head over to trainlikeamother.club. Again, that's trainlikeamother.club. There, I spelled it right this time. Spelled it right this time. <laughs> so uh, in between your strength training sessions, many happy miles to you. 